Hey, what's up, underground? Hey. Hey, Whoa. hey. Well, you're still really loud. Hey. <laughs> Can you just whisper the whole Hi. episode? Welcome. Hey, regular contributor James Mays is back. Hello. Regular contributor. Such a better term than guest because he's not a guest. Not anymore. He's family. So, even though some, like I just had family in town and they were kind of like guests staying in my home. Mm, that's true. Yeah. So I guess you could be both, but I don't like that. All right. I feel like I, I took that. <laughs> we went backwards with my. Am I still too loud? I don't know. It's fine. Okay. I'll deal with it. Thanks. Are you taking the intro or am I? I'm going to take this intro. So, uh, man, I am so appreciative to our friend Damian Girk for writing a book and providing us with weeks and weeks and weeks of content. And we sure hope you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Seriously. But we are kind of moving into the next general section of his book. His book is called In the Way Church as We Know It Can Be a Discipleship Movement Again. Um, and he uses this this acronym that we've said lots of times is church as we know it cocky church as we know it um, and a lot of our conversation has just been the acknowledgement of some of the ways that we operate um, particularly in a kind of a western church mindset and just understanding and identifying some of the differences and uh, clearly we are biased and we're leaning towards uh, a disciple making movement just kind of mindset and methodology uh, living as missionaries, planting the gospel, seeing new things come up, right? Like, that's the world that we're living in. But uh, in that, we kind of have to identify some of the differences. So we've been in that. So we're moving on to this next section, um, in which which Damien calls the how how the church engages with people. So it's probably kind of a uh, intro episode to the next few weeks. We'll have maybe a couple spotlight episodes and just kind of talking about how do we get away from just being a group of people that invites people to things, to going and infiltrating networks and living on mission. Uh, so, you know, things that we talk about a lot, but, you know, that's just what we do, right? We're going to talk about it even more, right, Brian? Is that like literally something he says, moving from invites to infiltration? Or is that your... Uh, <sighs> I don't know. I was going to say alliteration, but it's not. I guess That's alliteration. Not when it's a vowel in the front. It's assonance. Really? Yeah. Did you just look that up? Nope. How many people are Googling that right now? <laughs> <laughs> me. <laughs> I, I don't think that's true. Do you want me to look it up? Yeah, please do. Hey, guys, I want everyone to pause right now as Brian looks this up. Go. The repetition of the sound of a vowel. Assonance. What, okay, but now, but I, I, okay, now Google alliteration. It's, it's not a vowel. It's a consonant. That's, is that the defining point of alliteration? Is that it's a consonant? Yeah, alliteration. Well, it says the occurrence of the same letter or sound at the beginning. Right. It can be both of those things is what I'm saying. Yeah, but I got more specific <laughs> with mine. Okay. I, I guess, <laughs> James is like, hey, can we move on now? James is the voice of what everyone listening is thinking. <laughs> All right, let's get back into this. I, right. ju I just love that idea of, of invitational versus infiltration. That's yeah. kind of cool. Cool, thanks, man. I'm, I I don't know if that was my language or Damien, so we're going to see in just a second. I'm going to read something. Okay. Um, and I think we're probably going to look at this conversation within kind of two general umbrellas. Number one, <laughs> are we good? Yeah. We almost we almost lost something. Um, is is kind of talking about the the conversation of attendance versus um, going infiltrating 
let's use that word today, uh, so that the, the conversation of really how the church engages with people, a lot of what we do, right, is is kind of come to us type of strategy. So we'll talk about that, and also we just want to talk about just kind of the general um, idea of of self feeding versus like uh, you know mama bird feeding baby bird, which is always the mental picture I have of, of people want to go to church because I really want to be fed. <laughs> right. That's that language. That's the mental picture I get. Um, so what, how are we actually teaching disciples how to be, you know, self fed? So those are kind of the two topics today is like, as we talk about how the church engages with people. So number one, I just want to read this quote to get us rolling. Uh, the legacy ministry approach, or the cocky ministry approach is set up to appeal to people and their self-interests or affinity. Uh, do I want to keep reading that? Yes. This is one of the outcomes of a come orientation to the world, as well as organizing around differentiation. With all the best of intentions, the church is marketing itself and its services to people who are seeking a church with a certain profile in mind. The church's hope is that people will be attracted and interested enough to visit. Right? The appeal is centered on one or more levels, like belief, denominational affiliation, life stage, social perspective, types of service offered, worship style, etc. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. It says, in a capitalistic, consumer-driven process, it's important to remember that the customer is ultimately in charge, a perspective virtually all successful product or service companies will affirm. This, and I'll skip ahead one more time, this approach positions the church as a provider of services to the prospective new attender. It creates an expectation that the church should feed me, quote unquote, or meet my or my family's needs. The resulting response from the church's perspective is to make the point of entry as broad as possible with little and ideally no required commitment. I'll stop there, um, but what? Does, how does that hit you guys? Right, we talk about the, this the the concept of how the church engages with people. Uh, Damien's throwing it out there that okay, if our, our primary strategy is to invite people to us, there becomes this kind of weird tension that we need to cater, in a sense, to so we need to provide uh, services in such a way that it would attract you or that it would kind of hit your need. Um, has that been your experience? And is that dangerous? And like, how are we living into something different? James, Brian, fight over who's going to talk. James nodded at me, but I nodded at James first. Okay, so since you did that, <laughs> and you won the nodding contest, <laughs> um, so the church, the church, the church, the church sometimes to me comes come across as it is God, and it has my need. Hmm. And I have noticed in the past, my own personal experience is that if I don't go along with the church's program, I'm usually like the black sheep of the hmm. of the sheep herd here. I experienced that at a couple of churches, hmm. mind you. Hmm. Yeah, like if you don't fit into the the particular kind of program. Or yeah, yeah, I hear I hear what you're saying. Yeah, it's like they're who were we talking to recently that said something? Oh, is it Rick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Rick Bush who said something like they just they planted a church, helped plant a church uh, alongside a bunch of other leaders, and as the church really grew, they felt like their influence shrunk because they didn't have a place there. 
yeah. anymore, uh, which is which is really interesting to me. Um, but I hear what you, I hear what you're saying, like, um, and I don't know if you want to dive into that more. Just like uh, if you don't feel like the specific programs or niche of that church is is like what God has called on your life. Like, how do you connect? I mean, is that kind of there's that yes, disconnect? That's exactly what you what I'm saying here. Mm. Uh, take take for instance uh, pre pre pandemic. So I was active in the church. Uh, when I say active, I was attending the church, but I wasn't really necessarily uh, participating in any major programs. But when the pandemic set in, the church disappeared. Hmm. No follow up on how you doing, brother. Do uh, you got COVID? I w- nothing. Nothing. Heard <laughs> nothing from the church. I just mm-hmm. want to highlight what you just said, though. Yeah. I was active. Which meant I was attending. <laughs> right. You're not actually, like, if church is an identity and not activity, if it's about the family and the people, not a place, if, if, if that's true, like, then active should mean I'm engaged in the life of the family. You know what I mean? Like, it's yes, not just not attending. <laughs> it's like, and that's, uh, you know, that's part of the contrast here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so James, like maybe let's highlight that story. And and again, if we start to lean into any church bashing, then let's you know yeah, let's pull back. Let's pull back yeah, a little bit and go to it. to uh, give to give one other phrase on what I was just saying in light of what he said. the t- The title that we're going for is how the church engages people. Yeah. But because we see church often as a building and a place, it can engage people. We have to engage it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, we as in the people. people yeah like so the expectation then is that the the people and let's just say even like let's say the people who don't know jesus let's put it in the kind of a missionary conversation the people who don't know jesus we're essentially asking them to be the missionaries right like and that's the language we've used a lot like uh they have to seek us out so in and of itself right there we should have some you know like red lights beeping saying we got a problem here because <laughs> yeah. like already the expectation is that uh, w- w- our role as missionaries is actually exported out to the people who don't even yet know Jesus and we expect them to come to us. Um, okay. But let's like, let's kind of zoom back in a little bit to James to, to your story. Like, cause I, I've, I've known you in that whole time too. And in that time you're super always involved in the share of the hope family. Um, but like a lot of people and share the hope in particular, uh, they all, they'll have rhythms where they might go to different Sunday morning churches or just whatever. That's great. Cool. Praise God. Um, but you, would you zoom in a little bit more on that? Like what, what, how did that kind of like push you to where you are now? Right. Just that experience, uh, did God kind of use it to open up your eyes a little bit? Like, yes. Uh, now that's just one of a few experience, at least I could recollect two experiences. And before I get off into what you're asking me, how did that push me? That was like the that that incident was like the final straw that broke my back to even want to be in quote unquote organized religion. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the one previous before that, uh, I went to the pastor and to a deacon or I guess a brethren, mm-hmm. and said I'm involved in legal activities and I like to change my ways. They said, I w- we'll give you a call. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and I never heard from them. <laughs> oh, so I, I, 
Oh, we'll get back to you. We'll yeah, get back to we'll you. give you a call. Yeah. Set up an appointment, whatever. And it never, never, it never happened. But nevertheless, <clears throat> excuse me. The reason why I'm even telling these stories is because uh, the the color me bad the churches have. You know, they're kind of mm. have a a color of badness on the way they come to their organization mm. or their future, their you know prospective member of their congregation. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so uh, so I'm 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 almost walking on five years. Well, about four years and six months or so. Uh, four years and seven months walking with Jesus now, mm-hmm. and the reason being. It's because I chose not to go to a organized religions mm-hmm. uh, uh, churching. I, I, I visit churches. Uh, the quote unquote the uh, organized religion aspect right. of it, but I'm more so in a family of uh, believers that that um, welcome the Acts two experience. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe that's where we're really zooming in. Is like even like it's hard to have this conversation because our literally our definitions are different. Like how the church engages with people, Brian. Like what you were saying, and James, what you just mentioned is like we think of a church as a building, as um, a set of programs, as a ministry, whatever. And so, in and of itself, that language automatically makes you think of the programs and the church services that engage with people. When we say church, we're talking about a spiritual family. We're talking about a group of people who are living out rhythms of worship, community, and mission. Um, and so maybe maybe that's just the conversation today is that's just simply the definition. Like a, understanding a definition of what church is is huge. It's why Brian's, even Brian's kids will, uh, you know, correct me if we say, hey, we're going to go to church. Uh, church is, you know, you can't go to something you are. I'm like, you're seven. <laughs> Yeah, all the I, I, I like I can't. Sometimes it's like the sorry I, I can't even get the thought out now because I get worked up over it. Um, when I hear stuff like the other day, I was sitting in a room and they were like, "Well, after church the other day," and I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> "I was just like, yeah." And I don't want to live in that and be that guy that's like constantly poking that one thing over and over and over. But it's mm-hmm. like it's why we do this podcast the way that we do, and we keep revisiting these things because we. It's it's going to take a generation or two to flip that mm-hmm. definition if we could even flip it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like because yeah. we've lived so long in one sort of identity of what it is that to reimagine it is so difficult. Yeah. You know, and and but this whole thing of how the church engages people is like, you know, just that language Susan a minute ago is like you the church, if you grew up in it, it didn't engage people. You have to engage it yeah. because of your understanding of what it is, and it can it even less so engages people now because it's been removed from the center of the culture. Right, right, Amen. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like there might have been a day when it actually was a decent strategy of engaging culture if the whole country and the culture itself has like this general understanding of yeah, Christian things are good, they're they're it's worth this or that. Um, and so people would find their way to be a part of church communities if, in a sense, if they wanted to or not, like, I mean, even socially it would help you out and, uh, like that, that is so, it feels so removed right now. Right. And then the pandemic just pushed it totally further Mm -hmm. where even a lot of people who love Jesus 
just can't see themselves in that type of world. And it leaves a lot of people in this place of like, what do I do next? Right. There's more. Um, and that's part of also why we want to have these conversations is that like we I don't think that form of church that we're talking about is bad or evil. I think there's been so much good with it. I also believe that it is not set up to engage the unreached. Like, it's not. I want to move the conversation to the second question you posed when we started with answering the first question you started was, you know, was that true for me and James, our experience with the church and um, the attractional kind of idea, the tension of, you know, whether or not we're... uh, inviting people to something what is it that we're giving them and then going into that idea of like self-fed versus someone feeding me mm-hmm. is you know 20 years on uh church stabs and things like that it's like man the number of times we would we it's every week you know we're sitting and planning what's the next sermon series what's the next mm-hmm. creative thing we're doing and oftentimes this phrase comes up of like, well, let's let's talk about doing a, a felt needs series. Like, what's the current felt need? Mm-hmm. Like, is it parenting? Is it marriages? Is it something in the culture? You know, like we're trying to like answer these big things for people in these soundbite chunks of their life. And it really is like mm. y- you have 30 minutes. <laughs> That's how the church engages people. Yes. It's, I mean, it's quote-unquote huh, yeah. an hour yeah. that you're in a building and maybe an hour that you're in a small group, right? So that's two hours out of your week if you're at both of those things consistently. Mm. And I, d- I don't do math, so there's a lot more hours in a week than that. Uh, but even even in that hour that you're together, it's really assumed only 20 to 45. I don't know what the average message time is, but somewhere in there that, like, this is what you need. And if you take this message, <laughs> the blue pill or the red pill, <laughs> if you, well, I don't even think there's an option. It's like, this is what we have decided is yeah, true and you need it, yeah. you know, and it like might hit some of the people in the room that have that felt need. But because there's so many people from different walks of life and different, ex- it's like, this is how we're trying to engage you mm-hmm. with our message and hopefully with a small group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, it, because, like as we think about disciple making movements and we think about micro church experience, you gave the definition as an extended spiritual family. We flesh that out further by saying they seek to live an everyday gospel community. So I don't think I've had this conversation with you yet. I'm really excited. You know how I'm big on grammar. Mm-hmm. I was pondering. Words matter. Words matter. Pronouns matter. They do. I was pondering this idea. Verbs matter. (laughs) Adjectives are solid too. Nouns can't have them. Can't have can't have sentences without them. Adverbs don't forget them. Mm. Classic. Do you know what an adverb is? Yeah, it's describing an adjective, right? Okay. Or a verb. (laughs) You can have your nouns and later, right? (laughs) All right. Reeling it back. How many of you are googling adverb (laughs) right now? All right, ready, go. So I was pondering this question one morning, thinking about our own current microchurch and our experience. I was like, I wonder when people hear that phrase that seek to live an everyday gospel community, do they understand it? Are they asking, do you mean every space day or do you mean every day? Hmm. Do you know the difference? Yeah, James, do you? (laughs) Right back at you, Corey. (laughs) 
already deferred uh, to you. <laughs> well, actually, I'd love to hear what Brian thinks. One every with a space day would would literally mean one day after the next. Mm-hmm. Every single day, just put a single in the space there. Every day would as one word it means like common. It, it's always you know what I mean like mm-hmm. this is normal mm-hmm. so to describe something as like that's an everyday occurrence is like do you mean it happens every single day mm-hmm. or it's like that's a normal sort of occurrence yeah and that so it, but it, it mattered the, that mattered to me because I was like if if it's about seeking to live in every day it's like yeah that's normal it should just be true like we're calling each other that that's part yeah, of seeking yeah. you know we're texting we're checking in or is it like do i need to make sure i see everybody in my micro church right, every right. single day and yeah. it's like well yeah both hopefully mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it should be normalized mm-hmm. and it should be often yeah and because of that it just it just moved me personally totally it's like it, i want understanding every day as an adjective right you're describing it uh in, in a way that's like yeah it's a comp it's it's yeah, I want it's to say common. every day. It's common. This is the rhythm of what you do all the time. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Anyway, my point in that was like in our language and in the paradigm that we're trying to help shape is like the church engages the church in everyday rhythms. Mm-hmm. And the church also engages its missional context in everyday sort of rhythms mm-hmm. versus when the church is not in that paradigm and it is a building and a place and event. Mm the only way to engage it is for you to go to it and then the way it engages you is by offering you yeah. a sound bite of your life yeah yeah yeah. you know that sorry that, i didn't mean to no, like go so no, long no, there. seriously <laughs> that's good that, that makes good. a lot of sense because <clears throat> dang excuse my throat y'all but it makes a lot of sense because i always was wondering how am i excelling excelling in christ on the way i am and i watch others kind of fall off and so every day is a day that me as a church engages with the yeah. church some form fashion away yeah you know uh take Corey's church for instance my ch- i see Corey or talk to Corey at least four times a week mm-hmm. about uh, uh various church movements or things that has to do with the gospel in my own personal church tuesday wednesday thursday mm-hmm. friday saturday I'm involved at least an hour out of those five days at some type of yeah. setting, meeting, and uh, the, those, discussion. Those are, uh, those are the event part of that family. But I know, like like we've talked about before, there's so much richer than that because of the ongoing conversation. Like we're just, before we even started this podcast, yes. you're getting a text message from somebody going, hey, man, just thinking about you, praying for you, smiley face, smiley face. We, we know that because you have the audio on. And it's... It's reading out loud, <laughs> right? And it's so, great. If, so, you, if you've never heard the the digital voice of the phone describe emojis, it is is very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> nerd face, nerd face, <laughs> smiley face. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, my I guess my point in all that is like, in everyday gospel community, you can begin to help people learn to, uh, using your language, feed themselves. Mm-hmm. If you're only engaging at a very minimal level. Because most people, uh, percentage-wise, even in the legacy model, would not be engaged every week in both of those environments mm-hmm. where that would potentially happen. There's, it's, the consistency is not high enough to learn how to do it. 
mm-hmm. you can learn some principles, but like the consistency mm-hmm. of engaging the practice in yeah. the everyday stuff of life is usually not going to take. Yeah, that's really good. You know, it's a, another piece of this is it's it's actually why we we try to focus so much on function over form because the form of micro church, quote unquote, does not fix this problem. Right? No, it doesn't. I was going to say the same. Uh, even yeah. I brought my own paradigm into it of like, okay, what, what, quote unquote, I've said this in my head, what do the people in our microchurch need? Like that, that does matter because they're my family. Right. I, I ask that about my own children. What do they need? Mm-hmm. But it still can like, you can get stuck in one leader has you, the you vision provide all and that I'm need. going to yep. provide what you need. Totally. And, and even in the missional engagement piece of it, right? Like we can create, and we've said this lots of times on this podcast, uh, we can create a smaller environment and it still be a giant gap between actually engaging with people who don't know Jesus. Like the expectation is still you find us and come to be a part of the thing that we are about. And in many ways it makes it harder for a guest to attend because it's, it's not like you have a big sign on the corner of the street, right? Like <laughs> just because you're meeting in a home in a micro setting or something like that does not make it mission focused. So that's why we're always leaning in to function of live on mission, find spiritually interested people in networks, plant the gospel, <clears throat> plant, plant the gospel. Uh, sorry. And, but if you're going through puberty, it's also plant the gospel and actually begin to make disciples where they're at. Well, that is that in and of itself is mission. And church as a family arises, emerges out of that. James and I, this week, we were literally talking about that, right? We're, yes. we, we launch uh, Share the Hope net, um, like gatherings mm-hmm. out of new disciples that emerge out of jail settings. But a lot of jail settings had been closed because of COVID. And so mm-hmm. the conversation started going, well, really, what's the heart? The heart is to reach my city. The heart mm-hmm. is to in the, and so we're like getting out of the mindset of the only strategy was to go into jails. We can't just start a share the hope and think people are going to start coming if we don't have exactly. a plant the gospel plan. And so you and I even just like wrestling with like, okay, we want to reach Wyandotte. How do we start to engage people? Um, and to use the James Mays uh, phrase, uh, all those who are wait, drug and thugging and mugging, exactly. right? Like it sounds so much better when James says it and not me. Thugging, um, mugging, and drugging. You're not you. believable. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, but like, how are we engaging with real people on the ground level and not just expecting them to come to our thing? Like, so I'm just saying, the form of church is not going to fix that, right? It, it, it's just, it's, it's just the different. It's the same conversation in a smaller setting. We're really talking about engaging missionaries. How do the church as the people engaging with people who are far and, and our big thing is well you got it like where is it that god's already placed you in and called you how do you live as someone on mission in that space instead of spending all of our time like we can live an everyday gospel mission and just and and erroneously think of that as being okay i'm going to just disengage from the world completely and just be around other brothers and sisters well, that's maybe maybe there's a season where God calls you to. I don't know, but I do know that a lost world is not going to find Jesus if our only strategy is to mm-hmm. run away. Yeah. Um, how can how can they hear unless someone is sent? Right. Yeah. I I hope as we end, I hope those of you that are listening, you know, it's like I I I think I carry this little thing of like, is this is this a new and fresh episode? And then. Sometimes it's like, well, not really. You guys have said that a lot, but I like, I need to hear this consistently. Mm-hmm. I need mm-hmm. to hear these ideas over and over. So I hope they're beneficial for you. And I, th- we don't do this much, but I just throw this out there as kind of a, 
when you get to wherever it is that you're driving or if you're walking your dog listening to this or whatever um when you <laughs> like just ask yourself let me just say this you are the church where you are how you know that B- because if they're following jesus and church is about identity then mm-hmm. they are existing as the church where they are <laughs> they are the mm-hmm. sent ones mm-hmm. um I, I suppose there could be people listening to this who, who are not a part of that. Uh, my assumption is if you've stumbled on this podcast that you're seeing yourself in that way. And the question, I think, in light of the episode title of how does the church engage people is how are you engaging people? You know, so like yeah. take some time just to ponder that question. Mm. How is it that I am currently engaging people who don't yet know how much they matter to Jesus. So I want to end on a very vague quote. I wanted to end with that. With our, I'm just that, <laughs> Dang. I want to start our next podcast with this very vague quote that we got from a friend of ours on our team um, who is, she has her own microchurch that has emerged in a neighborhood setting. Um, and she said, when someone from your extended spiritual family sends this to the entire group, they must have some kind of group text for their microchurch family. Uh, This is what this person says. Thought of the day. The church is not a building. The church is not a steeple. The church is not a resting place. The church is a people. I am the church. You are the church. These are all exclamation points. We are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. Like, isn't that awesome? That is someone in a micro that's like, all these things are clicking. And it's like, hey. And it's almost like, it, it, it seems like this person is like, it's like uh, they're owning that new identity. Yeah, like this yeah. is these are revelations. This is who we are as identity, and I love it. So this conversation and today really ended up being around more of identity. It was all about who, who we even see ourselves, as, you know, as the church, and then the role of that. Well, yeah, clearly it's not just a, a program that we invite people to. Like that is that is the fundamental, I think, disconnect. And when you really live into that as a group of people. Uh, then the, the very question itself changes from how am I engaging people to them coming to me to how am I engaging people where they are, right, in the everyday spaces. Hmm. So what I want to do in the next few weeks, what we want to do. So, so now that we know what we're talking about today, should we go back and record it? <laughs> no, this is good. Uh, wow. this, is one of those, this is one of those generic, uh, not generic, big, big picture topics yeah. right right that it's like okay we talk about this stuff let's just push record and see where where it takes us that i want to we're going to do probably a couple spotlight episodes um i haven't asked matt barnes yet but we're gonna we're gonna record matt barnes matt matt is one of the uh founding casey underground uh elders and friends and she he's she he uh and his wife sarah they're just amazing they have a micro church of a bunch of friends in their network we're big and building i want to hear his story all right of how they really uh went from the shift of just inviting people to a thing to infecting a whole network of people, right? So we're going to hear that story. Also going to bug Lee Price and just get some more training on how to engage missional spaces. So uh, things that we talk about a lot, but uh, maybe from a new way or just more new stories. So I hope you enjoyed this mini series within a series within a series. And uh, James, thanks for contributing. No problem. As you regularly do. Can you make your voice crack again? No, I mean, that just comes naturally. <laughs> this guy in high school, every time a kid would like voice cry, he goes, this is the most dramatic change in my whole life. Wow. My dad says I'm not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches and every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.